Google it yourself. Google it yourself. Are you a pervert or something? Okay. The whales have a 15-foot penis. I'm sorry, Ken. You, you cut out there. They have a 15 what? The whales have a 15-foot penis. I didn't cut out. You heard me. Google it yourself. The whales have a 15-foot penis. I'm sorry, Ken. You, you cut out there. They have a 15 what? You a pervert or something? Okay. The whales have a 15-foot penis. Hold on one sec. I just want to says it. to Mindwave. Jenner here. And uh, I, I guess I'm co-hosting, kind of. Uh, and then uh, Paul is going to be hosting. Hi, Paul. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> this is a fun uh, new thing. We're doing another crossover with a YouTuber you might know as Godless Engineer. John Gleason, welcome to the show, man. Uh, hi, thank you so much for uh, having me on here to uh, talk and discuss things. Uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, man. No, it's a pleasure to have you. We love doing this collaborative cl- crossover bullshit. Uh, I'm I'm all about it. So th- it's, it's our pleasure, really, to have you. <laughs> so um, if somebody, like, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with your work. Like I was telling you off, off air, like, I'm very much behind, regrettably. Because uh, I, I was like, I was watching your shit like way back in the day. Uh, but just if if somebody hasn't seen your stuff before, kind of describe uh, who you are and and what you do. Right. So uh, I'm a YouTuber. Uh, I have you know social media profiles all over the place. Uh, you just got to look up Godless Engineer, and you'll probably find me. Uh, but I, I produce videos on a variety of topics like uh, history. Uh, religion, uh, pseudoscience, and stuff like that. It's it's a lot of times response videos to maybe videos you've seen uh, go around and everything. And I usually try to pick topics that I'm very passionate about, like evolution or uh, <laughs> most recently uh, mythicism uh, is one big controversial topic that I get a lot of shit for. Um, and I, I, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Uh, can we curse? Yeah. Oh please, please no. Do we yeah, we have the E, and we we feel like we have to earn it. <laughs> so, oh, okay. yeah, we are a very very sweary show. <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, so I do all of that. I have done some like flat Earth debunking and and things of that nature. But I would say that uh, most of my content is more geared towards like creation versus evolution, mm-hmm. uh, historical uh, stuff surrounding uh, religious texts and stuff like that. And uh, I also have a podcast uh, where Casey, my wife, uh, and I, we read the Bible and I give my take on it and she corrects me about it. 
<laughs> that sounds really cool. And we got to, uh, yeah. It is actually. I just discovered that recently, and it's it's very very entertaining in my opinion. Definitely. Yeah, I got to. Subs- I'm going to subscribe right now. We're, we're going to get that. Uh, well, yeah, you just you just go onto YouTube, search Godless Engineer, and I uh, should be the first uh, uh, channel that pops up. But for um, for the B- Daily Bible podcast, uh, we, we're working off of a Bible that separates at, it out into like 365 uh, different uh, sections, where you can conceivably read one section a day, and you'll be able to read the entire Bible in a year. Of course, we're only doing this once a week, so it's going to take like 70 years in order to get it done. But um, well, it's so dry, the Bible. Like nobody wants to read the Bible. But that's one of the things that a lot of religious people say that atheists don't do is read the Bible, when in fact that's not true at all. So what, what we've sort of transformed the show into is – me being the stereotypical like atheist that doesn't know a, a, a word of what the Bible says or doesn't care what the Bible says or just cares about misrepresenting what the Bible says. And so I present like a misrepresentation of like whatever we're going to be studying that day. And then we spend the rest of the podcast learning like what it actually says in the Bible. And so it's it's kind of I, we do it that way as kind of a nod to the idea that atheists don't read the Bible or atheists don't understand the Bible or anything like that, because it's like, look, here's what it would sound like if somebody really didn't understand or know what the Bible said. But we're, we're here telling you that we've read it and we understand it and we're going to explain to you what it says. Well, okay, so you're like fake straw manning yourself. Yeah, uh, I fucking yeah, love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, man. And is this on? Uh, do you got it on Apple Podcasts and and all, uh, and all yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, it's on uh, Apple Podcast. Uh, see, so I've got it on Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, the Google Podcast thing, uh, Google Google Music. I think is what it is. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And I can't remember yeah. what else is on. Uh, we primarily post it on uh, YouTube. That's where the newest, uh, uh, you know, uh, podcasts are usually posted first. But we're working on getting our entire archive up on all of those platforms. Nice. And the show, the podcast, the name of it is what again? Uh, the Daily Bible Podcast with uh, Casey and GE or GE and Casey's Daily Bible Podcast. I dig it. I'm going to I'm going to totally subscribe to that right now. I won't have time to watch videos, but like that's how I the only way I can do it is with podcasts is cuz I can do it while I'm working and doing other shit. So, yeah, I did yeah. not know that this existed and I'm totally stoked. <laughs> Maybe you can clear up a little confusion for me because I was looking and uh um according to the website for the non sequitur show, it lists you as a co-host is Well, yeah. So I'm, I'm. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm no longer associated with the non-sec show or anything like okay. that. So. Okay, I see. Yeah, I, I was confused because I had actually, I've heard of it, but I've never actually listened to it, and I, 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 I had no idea that you were ever like on it or whatever. It said like 175 episodes you were on or something like that. Or. Well. Y- 
while, while that particular show was like airing and whatnot, um, I mean, I, I, I did appear on it somewhat regularly. Uh, most of the time, like most of the appearances were just like me butting in or me coming on for just a few seconds and, you know, gotcha, just being, gotcha. uh, so it, it, it sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It just confused me a little bit. I was, you know, kind of going through Google and digging up a little bit of research here and there on you to, so we actually had something to talk about. So, but yeah. Um, okay. What are you working on right now? Other than, uh, well, okay. So right now on my channel, I have a lot of things that go on on my channel. Uh, right now, currently, Mondays are my more produced videos and I'm going through a video that's that claims to prove that uh you know Jesus existed in history and he brings a lot of evidence uh you know that supposedly proves that point and he's uh, wrong about a lot like all of the evidence uh, he's wrong about and so I'm currently going through that uh you know piece by piece showing why he's wrong about it and why he, you know, why I think that Jesus probably did exist. And so right now that's what I'm doing on that day. And then on Tuesdays is the daily Bible podcast that gets posted up. And uh, I have this, I have the memberships for the channel. So uh, I have what's called the skeptic mafia and we do another podcast specifically for them. Uh, and that's that's on Tuesdays. And then on Wednesdays, I generally will post up like a, uh, a snippet from the Skeptic Mafia podcast to let show people what they might be missing out if they're not uh, already uh, a member. Uh, and then you, it's either Wednesdays or Thursdays, I'll post up my comments video that I do. I pick out comments like every single week and I'll read them in like a really hick hillbilly voice <laughs> and you know, answer the comments. Normally the comments are like very derogatory and mean towards me. So it's quite easy for me to make fun of them and not really feel bad about it. <laughs> uh, so that that's the, the Wednesday, Thursday kind of thing. And then Fridays I have my live stream where I uh, do a live response to a video uh, that I let the skeptic mafia pick. And that's pretty much my week. Damn. Yeah, it seems like you push oh out God, a lot of full time. Yeah, day. yeah, you push out a lot of content. It seems like on a weekly basis. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I I love doing this. I love creating content, and I, I love interacting with the people that love my content right, right. and watch my content. And even the ones that don't love it and actually hate it, I, I like interacting <laughs> with them too. Uh, mainly on the the comments video where I talk like a hick while I read their comment, but. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's very um, – I, I feel like those videos I'm trying to make sort of personally empowering because, you know, we have people that make these derogatory comments towards us all the time on, on the internet. And uh, I do it in hopes of inspiring people to not let them affect, you know, their emotional state or anything like that. If you can read their comment and if it's a very ignorant, uh, uh, demeaning comment, you can read it in a, you know, a funny voice and it takes the power away from it. So, I mean, I have a deeper reason for doing the comments videos the way that I do them. And it's more to, you know, impart on people that, if you read it with the appropriate voice, then it really doesn't 
you know, hurt, you know, like their words don't hurt and it allows you to sort of just let them roll off your back. It becomes a beautiful thing. And it, it, as you're describing this, I'm, I'm thinking of the love letters to Richard Dawkins thing, which is one of my <laughs> favorite fucking things on the internet. I'm putting that in the show notes. <laughs> Man, that is just great. Fuck you, you fucking fuck, fuck devil bitch. God, this is so great. <laughs> So fucking great, man. We haven't gotten any hate mail yet, but that was kind of like a fun thing that we were really wanting to do. Yeah. Um, and, and just, but like do it passive aggressively thanking them like as like fans. So we, we're, we oh, read our love yeah, notes no. from our fans. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, I love that. Cause I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll add in just a random comment. That's like, Hey, godless engineer, you're a fat fuck. And I'm like, <laughs> Well, I'm glad you spelled everything correctly. <laughs> Thank you for the glowing oh, recommendation. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to put those people on blast, and I mean they're it's they're doing it in public, so it's not like you're right. Yeah, they, they put it on the internet. Like, I don't so feel yeah. bad about smearing people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, and uh, I, I just I really wish that people would have a lot more constructive conversation. So when somebody, it always gets me when somebody leaves a shitty comment, right? And will expect you to treat them like you should be thanking them for leaving the comment. Like right. I had a guy the other day on Instagram who came on there and told me that I was basically just like a flat earther. And he tried to walk it back a little bit later after I was talking with him. And he was like, look. I love your show, man. I like watching you. I'm just pulling your leg. And I'm like, no, no, no. You don't get to walk it back now. You insulted me and you demeaned me for, you know, malicious reasons. And he was like, I can see how it came off as being a dick. And I'm like, yeah. So why, like, I don't understand why people expect you to listen to them when you're being a dick to them. Like that's not going, if you want people to actually listen to you and to consider, you know, your criticism or the things that you say, don't immediately come off as a dick. You know, you, you save that for later when you've tried talking reason into somebody and they're still like, well, you know, fuck you. And it's like at that point, uh, I, I guess you could do what you want. But I mean, if you really want somebody to listen to you, don't start off coming off like a dick. I think I think this has to do with the detachment. People become detached from their their little social media avatars. You know, the the, the level of anonymity. If you're just behind a screen, there's no filter. These people say shit that they'd never say in real life. I mean, largely the kind of the kinds of people that we're talking about is it. This is not shit that they would say to your face at a bar. This is just like it's because they're behind that. You know, that two way mirror where they get to you know do whatever the fuck they want back there. And then no consequence, no real world like oh. consequences for it. It's, I, I think it's that, I think it's the anonymity thing, the detachment. Oh, definitely. I, I definitely think that it's the an anonymity that, you know, people feel empowered to just say whatever they want to without any kind of regard. I, I do think that there's also a little bit of, you know, issues on the other person's end uh, because like, these people, they want to hurt and demean others because that makes them feel better about themselves for some reason. Like it makes them feel better to know that they have caused pain in another person's life. 
and uh, to affect them emotionally. Otherwise, why would you want to affect somebody emotionally if you're not deriving some kind of pleasure from it? And in that respect, like I really pity these people. And I pity them because they can't, like they have some kind of internal strife that they're struggling with. And the only way that they can feel better about themselves is to make somebody else feel bad about themselves. And I mean, that's just really sad when you think about it. Well, yeah, it kind of goes back to, you know, how, you know, most people's mothers or parental figures or whatever, when they were kids, they would tell them, you know, if somebody bullies you because they were bullied before and it does, it kind of, you know, inflicting that emotion or that negative feeling on somebody else, it produces a kind of catharsis, you know, and it, it, it feels good to certain people to do that. It seems like it's, and being right. able to hide behind the keyboard on the internet just makes it that much worse because, you know, then they're completely uninhibited because there's no repercussions for their actions. It's, mm-hmm. it's an internal thing. And the whole trope about like homophobic bullies turning out to be gay is like a totally real thing. Like a bunch of the guys who bullied me, you know, in school for being gay, they're like openly gay now or openly bi or whatever. It's just like that internal <laughs> internalization that's i think yeah if they're trying to hurt you this like it's like this is what hurts about me i'm gonna make you feel that too you know i I don't know oh yeah and like i said it's it's for those reasons specifically that you know I, i i pity the people that want to try to try to emotionally hurt me through comments on the internet i feel bad for them because you know the the only way that they can feel better about themselves is to make me feel bad about myself That's just, that's just sad. Yeah. Well, you, you, you challenged them. You've uh, psychologically wounded them in in some way, you know, by just telling the truth about certain shit that's uncomfortable to hear, you know, especially for the deeply indoctrinated. Uh, Right. So, I mean, it's, that's, it's, probably a, a, a defensive thing too they feel personally attacked and i've talked about this a little bit on the show like because there are ideas out there that absolutely need to be criticized but people internalize that ideology and it feels to like a personal attack to them based on that that tribal identifier that they that they carry you know in their hearts i went into this a little bit last night with connor um but yeah, it's it's that tribal identifier thing where you're like, I'm I, I am one of those and you're insulting me, you're attacking me because that's one of my ideas and trying to make that distinction like trying to make it very clear that like criticizing the ideas is not the same as attacking people who hold those ideas. Um, we need yeah. to be very clear as communicators in this kind of realm we need to be very clear about that, that we, this isn't, that's not the goal. I mean, unless we're talking about people like Ken Ham or something, yeah, we can attack him, <laughs> but, uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's we need to, uh, that's uh, like an intellectual honesty thing for me anyway. I don't know. How, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's, oh, I, I totally agree. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's just a total ramble. Uh, yeah, there was a lot to a lot to unpack there, but yeah, it's just um, I think I think we should be more clear about that distinction of uh, you know criticizing ideas not being the same as attacking people and well, being open to yeah. talking to the people who feel attacked, you know. Yeah, well, and I mean, a lot of religious people take it 
you know, personally, because they, you know, they've been taught to it taught that it's a personal belief. Like you get a personal relationship with God. So, I mean, obviously if you're going to be criticizing God, they take it as you criticizing them. And, uh, you know, some people take it a lot more seriously than they should. And, uh, but that's why I, sometimes I take the tack that I do, uh, especially with like response videos is, you know, I attack the idea and then, you know, that really gets an emotional reaction from somebody, but that's not the point of it. Like the point of it isn't to, uh, generate an emotional reaction from them. It's, it's just, you know, the, the whole point is just to sort of take the power away from the idea. And, and a lot of, a, a lot of Christians, a lot of religious people, even some atheists, I mean, they, they don't understand how powerful it can be to take the power away from, uh, you know, um, God and these religious beliefs that we used to have. Right. And that's, kind of one of the things I, you know, really respect about you and the way that you produce your content. It's, you know, you can either come at people just completely jokingly and, you know, just, you always have logic behind your argument, you know, but it's, you can come at people and basically put them out on front street, you know, without really demeaning them unless, you know, they've obviously done that first, you know, then it's just kind of a funny jocular thing but um you can also go and be completely serious like your recent video with uh your debate with tisdall i thought that was just absolutely excellent Mm -hmm. um you know you can completely sit there and i I don't think you insinuated any kind of negativity towards him once and he did towards you multiple times and you held your composure very well it was really impressive i think i'm not sure that i could do something like that well, you see, what a lot of people don't understand is that I, I can control myself when necessary. <laughs> uh, I also had a debate with Kent Hovind, and in that one, I didn't necessarily hold my composure all that well. But, I mean, that was because it was like an online debate. It was a lot less professional and everything like that. So uh, in a more professional setting, I, I, I feel like I can, I can you know, hold my composure pretty well. And, um, but what, what really wasn't captured in the debate is my facial expressions during the question and answer and, and uh, probably in the, uh, it, whenever he was presenting, because I remember multiple times, I just sort of looked out into the audience and I was just like, what the fuck is he saying? Like I had that kind of look on my face and uh, I, I saw that a couple times, oh, yeah? but yeah, most Time, the camera wasn't there. Yeah. Well, you see, prior to that, the Tisdall debate, I thought that I was going to be getting like multiple different camera angles and it's like the raw footage. I thought that that's what I was going to be getting. But apparently that it was never in the cards for me to get. And so I was sitting there and I would do, I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about when I say gym takes, um, that uh, I'm referencing the office. Uh, whenever Jim uh, from the office would look into the camera and just sort of shake his head or something like that. Oh, Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Right. So I I would look directly into one of the camera angles and I would just sort of make this face like, what? (laughs) And so in my head, when I was putting this together, like later, 
I was going to like zoom in on my face whenever he was saying something stupid because I, you know, it's like, Oh my God, what? <laughs> uh, but it, it didn't turn out like that. I pretty much just got what was produced. And uh, so I just, I kind of put that out there. Yeah. Well, it definitely, it, it turned out well. I think I actually sat and watched the entire thing. So it held my attention anyways. Um, it was just kind of interesting it seemed like every time you completely refuted a point that he made he would go back and make the same point in different words or you know just kind of repeat himself without really ever saying anything of substance it was kind of like i almost felt bad for him because it, i don't know if he didn't realize that he wasn't being effective or if he you know he thought actually thought he was or was just trying to hide the fact that he was I'm not sure what was going through his head during that debate oh well, no, I mean, he absolutely uh, thought that he was putting forth the better argument than, you know, the both of us. Uh, he, he obviously thought that. And uh, I've, I've, I've had, you know, like some people that have said that, he, you know, he did a lot better than I did. But uh, when it comes down to it, I mean, I, I think that I didn't refute every single argument that he had. But what I did do was I showed how every single argument that he did have just boiled down to, right. well, God did it that way. Like, he spent a, a lot of time just giving basic, like, biology lessons on, like, the cell and how the cell uh, uh, copies DNA and all this other stuff. The insinuation behind that is that life is complex and uh, and there's no way that this came about randomly therefore a god had to have created it that behind every single argument it was just a god did it type of explanation and so what i did and i actually got this bit of advice from andrew okay, seidel yeah, uh, <laughs> andrew seidel of the freedom of religion foundation uh, I got this uh, this uh, uh, bit of advice from him is to focus on your positive argument for your side instead of focusing on trying to refute every single possible you know thing that the guy can bring up in a gish gallop. Just focus on you know your positive argument and why you're right. And so that's what I did. Instead of refuting you know every single thing that he said. I just pointed out how, you know, everything was just a God did it kind of argument. And that ultimately just leads to a God of the gaps argument. So I tried to logically lead people to that and show them how that's not an explanation for anything, but then also provide the alternative case of uh, evolution or, or scientific thinking on, on things and how that actually provides an explanation. Uh, because the entire purpose of the debate was, you know, whether or not, uh, or well, was debating the idea that creationism or intelligent design is the best explanation for the diversity of life, right? But he didn't really give any kind of explanations for the diversity of life. He just said God did it. <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> <laughs> it's magic. I ain't got to explain shit. <laughs> yeah. Everything's perfectly designed except for what's not perfectly designed, and that's that way because God did it. That was his entire <laughs> argument. <laughs> oh, man. John, are, are, do you have company there with you? That's his wife. I heard oh, somebody. Uh, <laughs> that, was, uh, that was my wife, Casey. Uh, we, we, we live in an apartment, so uh, you know it's, it's kind of jam-packed a little bit. 
but uh, she's she's over there right now listening to to the recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bring her on, mic her up. We're oh. we're a warm and friendly podcast. Yeah, yeah, come hang out. <laughs> we're just hanging out, man. I love it more the merrier. Well, I think she she's she's over there doing something right now. She she's working on video ideas. Oh, nice. She just graduated um, with her systems engineering uh, masters. So, yeah, so she's going to be uh, hopefully getting back into making videos or making some kind of content. Uh, and so <laughs> she has no ideas. So she's apparently working on ideas. Beautiful. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you, I, I'm, I'm remembering from the introduction to the beginning of the debate we were just talking about, but you have a bachelor's in computer engineering and a master's in software engineering. Is that right? Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, so I got my computer engineering degree in 2009, and then I got my master's in software engineering in uh, 2012. Okay. Nice. Nice. Neat. Yeah, definitely. Uh, no plans on going for the for the PhD of uh, Captain uh, Robo Dick Creator or anything like that. <laughs> no, um, see, I could I could conceivably go for a PhD. I could do all the work and I could uh, eventually become one. But the problem is, is that that's not really going to help me professionally. Like it doesn't get me any kind of more money. It doesn't open up more job opportunities or anything okay. like that for my particular you, field. Well, you could call yourself a doctor though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could call myself a doctor, but then it's like you spend $30,000 to call yourself a doctor. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous at a certain point, but yeah. Yeah. I was, oh, I was just yeah. curious about that. Um, I, I wasn't sure if I was correctly remembering or not, but yeah, it's school's hard, man. It really is. Like I've, tried to go back to college i'm getting ready to try on my second year as soon as i figure out exactly where i want to go but uh my first little stint with college didn't quite work out i have like 30 credits or something like that towards an associate degree so yeah yeah okay yeah i mean college definitely can be really tough uh i know that's why i didn't stop like after high school or anything uh i, I believe i took the summer but after that summer, uh, which I graduated in 2003 from high school, and so I took that summer and I worked and everything like that, and then I started that fall. And then every single semester after that point until 2012, I was taking at least one class. Gotcha. Yeah, see, I waited about 10 years before I went back after high school. Um, actually, I didn't even graduate high school. I dropped out when I was 16, got a full-time job, and then got my GED, and then... I didn't go back for 10 years before I actually enrolled in college and tried to get an associate of science degree. It was very difficult. Oh, and what? Uh, I was going for an associate of science, uh, just kind of as a stepping stone. My main area that I like to study is uh, oh, okay. herpetology. I don't know if you're familiar with that term or not, but um, it's uh, study of reptiles Snakes? and amphibians. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's, oh, okay. that's kind of my main interest, that and cosmology, astronomy. Um, and uh, I'm st actually starting to get interested in the subject I hated the most my entire life, which is math. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of interesting, but yeah. You, you know, a lot of people don't like math. 
but I personally loved math. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's kind of difficult for me because um, I'm I'm on the autism spectrum, and uh, well, I'm not sure if that's really the reason, but yeah, notable anyways. Um, when I actually go and try to learn it, I have ADHD as well, and it's I I don't really learn the conventional way. I have to go through, and I I, I can't just be told, you know, this is you do this and this and you get this and you just remember that rule. I need to understand why it works and take it apart completely to understand it and be able to actually utilize it. So. Yeah, that's exact same boat, bro. I hated math and was horrible at it for that exact reason. It's just like they, they weren't, and it's the same with music because I'm, I've, I've been composing since I was like six and they tried to give me piano lessons and they just, they just didn't get it. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't learn that way. The dots on a page thing. I don't learn that way. So I'm in the exact same boat with you, Paul. I just need to get somebody to teach me math in, in a yes, way I, that I can actually, I haven't found anybody, it's the structure I haven't found anybody that can it's teach a structure me. It's problem. Been, I've had to take it apart myself and do a really long kind of, uh, really long workaround to figure out how to actually do it, but I'm actually finding it interesting. Right. Like, like, um, almost like guided autodidacticism, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're teaching yourself how to do it. And then you have like somebody there like kind of guiding you through that process, maybe some kind of mentorship thing. I don't know. This is Andrew Yang was talking about how we need to rethink education like that. Um, because it doesn't, especially people who are neurologically atypical, it doesn't, you know, allow for them to succeed because there's not, you know, we don't, we had this like one size fits all thing. This is how to learn this. And it does not work for a lot of, a lot of kids. It didn't work for me, you know, so that, yeah, this is very, this is very deep. Like for me, I don't know. I can't even remember how much I've talked about this on the show at this point, but yeah, this is, (laughs) that's big. Uh, tangent oh man uh <laughs> did we want did we want to did we want to do some mind breaker questions did you have um, any did you find any i can't find the i can't find the document in the google drive do you have any that you remember besides the one uh, that we've used repeatedly <laughs> <laughs> just because it's my favorite um I want mine I'll, 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 I'll do one i'll do one that's more tailored uh what's your favorite conspiracy theory <laughs> favorite conspiracy theory oh man there's so many great ones to to choose from um i have to say the, the weirder the conspiracy theory the better i think and i think the best one is project blue light what is that project blue light okay okay i'm so oh, glad wait. you guys oh blue beam Oh, Blue Project, Beam. Sorry, not Blue, Blue Beam. Line. Oh, my God, bro. Ah, I, 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 that one's fucking amazing. I, I'm going to let you explain this because this is fucking insane and people actually believe the shit. Go. <laughs> right. So, so I mean, correct me if I get any of this wrong, any of this wrong from your perspective, because I know when I uh, researched it, um, you know, it, it could it could go many different ways. But basically, it's, it's inconsistent. Uh, it's like the flat Earth thing. It's t- the totally inconsistent across the dogma. So it's beautiful. Right. So so here, here's what I know about it: is that there's apparently this concerted effort to basically project holograms of various influential religious leaders or whatnot into the sky and convince people to install this new world order 
so that they can control the entire world. And uh, apparently the nations from all over the world are in on this and they've been doing several different tests in order to prepare people for it and everything like that. But what, what Project Bluebeam actually is, is a failed Star Trek script that uh, was scrapped and then they've used it. I think they used portions of it for a Star Trek episode, but it was basically a failed uh, movie script that somebody got their hands on and was like, oh, the government's really doing this. And then they, they pushed it out there as like a, a government conspiracy. And so now anytime, anytime something pops up where, it's, where it could be like Project Bluebeam, they say that it's Project Bluebeam or that people are being prepared for Project Bluebeam. The most recent notable one was back in, I believe it was January, where the Transformer blew up in, um, in New York. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it caused the sky to light up blue. Everybody was like, is this Project Bluebeam? It <laughs> kind of seems like it. And that's because they didn't know how like light dispersal works, especially in a cloudy area and uh, everything like that. They automatically assumed that it was like this Project Bluebeam. Uh, but I, that's probably one of my, one of my favorite ones, uh, primarily because of the fact that it was so clearly a failed movie script from star trek and, and but, but but they're still running with it as if it were a real thing that is fucking hilarious i did not know that about the origins and and i've just been very tangentially aware of this one and i've only heard it from like the uh, the doomsdayers like the hyper religious like the it's a satan thing like satan's gonna project it's nasa this is what i heard okay so like nasa is working to build this thing to project a hologram of the antichrist to bring on like revelation to like to mark the end of the world you know final battle between good and evil shit and i was like (laughs) so i didn't even know that part of it that is fucking hysterical oh yeah i i I remember now that being you know one of the one of the ideas as to the goals of project bluebeam but uh i know when i when i looked it up the nwo that that, like to instill the nwo and like cause i guess it's cause armageddon was the was the main purpose for the whole nwo taking over the world and everything like that but uh but yeah there's also um another good one is area 51 uh now it's not i'm not talking about what you think um if if you go back in my catalog i talk about this guy called a call for an uprising and he he legitimately thinks that this rocket scientist jim parsons along with alistair crowley went to area 51 and conjured the babylon queen or something like that and opened up a portal to this other realm and called forth the babylon queen right and it's it's such a ridiculous idea because the actual story behind it is that Jim Parsons was part of this like cult uh, that that uh, he didn't come up with the cult, but he kind of like built his own type of cult around it. But you know they were very polyamorous, and so he was wanting to basically conjure uh, so, uh, conjure this Babylon queen or something like that to have as a mate. 
or something. And so what they ended up doing was performing three rituals where it was basically, it was basically, um, oh, it was it was another guy and Jim uh, Parsons that were standing <laughs> around jerking off onto some rocks, and that was, they did that three oh, separate times. Oh, it was a Scientology guy, uh, L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> Jim Parsons come on a bunch of rocks in order to oh, summon some kind of demonic angel. That's fucking crazy. What the fuck? Yes. This is, seriously, that's that's the actual thing that happened, but conspiracy theorists think that they actually opened up like a portal to the nether realms or something. What in the hell? Oh man, that is that is wacky. <laughs> That's wacky. I think my favorite one is the electric universe hypothesis. Have you heard this shit? Oh, I, I haven't heard of that one. What is that? Oh, man. Well, we got to do a whole episode about the uh, electric universe. It's the most insane bad shit. I'll, I'll condense it, okay? All, okay? all canyons and craters are made by space lightning. Uh, there's, uh, no such thing as gravity, uh, nuclear fusion is impossible, water can't exist in space. It makes all of these bizarre claims about the universe that make no sense unless you go back and find the guy who came up with it, um, in Australia, Stephen Crothers. He was, he's a creationist who went to, uh, university to study astronomy and he started learning all this shit about the universe. He's like, this doesn't, this, oh, this doesn't work for my, yet. and so he left, he dropped out or got kicked out or whatever. And then invented just like, well, what's a biblically acceptable version of astronomy? So there's like this whole like light can't travel, you know, so, so there's an, uh, a creationistic uh, explanation for everything you know that the stars they're electric they they invoke electricity to explain everything they literally think the grand canyon was made by space lightning <laughs> but it's like all these bizarre physics claims that are just obvious bullshit and nobody okay so tons of fucking people believe this and they have no idea it's young earth creation astronomy they have no idea and the thing that makes it beautifully ironic is they they talk about science as a religion they're like oh the you know you just worship hawking and einstein you just you know you oh you're so indoctrinated into the science <laughs> and i'm just like oh my god this is the best thing i need to catch up with the electric universe shit man that oh my god <laughs> that that's that sounds amazing <laughs> Yeah, uh, Google. Yeah, Google uh, electric universe creation astronomy. There's, there's uh, somebody had a great blog on this that kind of broke down, uh, kind of like exposing the underlying shit. And then I actually like I, I dug deep. I tried to find like where it came from, and I found this fucking Stephen Crothers guy. I started debating him on Facebook, and uh, it was yeah, it was the non-answer thing. <laughs> I gotta go back and see if I can find that. Facebook saves everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they save it, but they don't save it for you to see. <laughs> uh, oh, dude, I found the uh, I found the Mindbreaker questions. It was it was lodged inside of another document, and I went and oh so, yes, <laughs> I don't uh, yeah man I don't know <laughs> pick one <laughs> yeah I I, I kind of wanted to throw mine out and see what you think John it was it was the only one I 
actually came okay. up with. It's kind of philosophical here. Um, if you were given an ultimatum between being able to solve any problem, but having no ability to explain how, like how to teach um, how to solve the problem, or being able to explain a solution to everything, but having no practical ability to solve it yourself, which of those two would you choose in that ultimatum? Well, I would probably choose having the ability to teach, like to explain myself and whatnot. Cause I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't see any use in, in, you know, having that knowledge and then not being able to tell others about it or let other people know or be able to explain it accurately. So, I mean, I, I would, I would probably, I, I would probably choose, you know, not being able to understand everything, but at least being able to teach what I knew. Right. That was actually the, almost exactly what I said when I kind of tried to figure it out myself, you know, just to be able to kind of spread that knowledge out to where it can be used over and over again and not just once by me, even though I could solve basically everything, you know, but being able to explain how to solve it, not actually being able to do it, I think would be better just because it would put that knowledge in more hands. Um, I've, yeah, right. yeah, I've heard a couple different answers to this one already. It's kind of interesting just to kind of see where somebody sits with that kind of, that kind of uh, hypothetical question, I guess. But uh, yeah, it, uh, it, 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 I don't know. It, it sounded so much more profound when I was writing. I'm like, holy shit, this is fantastic, you know. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, no, I, mean, I think it it's a, a great, it's a great question. Yeah, I, I love that. It's something I wouldn't, I would never have. Yeah, I don't know. I was trying. Cause like you will get different answers. It's and it's uh, yeah, it's a trip. I don't I don't know what mine would be really. Well, it's I mean, a, for yeah. me, I mean, it kind of makes sense that I would want you know at least the ability to teach because of you know on my channel. I mean, that's pretty much what I do on occasion. Is is I'll try to relay or teach. Uh, some some kind of information to people. And I try to gear my content towards people that don't necessarily, you know, have like a lot of knowledge on, on a particular subject, but I try to keep it on a very layman's level to where people can understand so that they can at least know like, you know, why this is the correct answer without having to get into the nitty gritty details about why it's correct. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, one thing I liked. I, I, I haven't read it yet, but um, uh, I can't think of what it's called now, but uh, Richard Dawkins' newest book. Um, um, yeah, I, I can't think of what it's... Newest what? Newest um, when? Most recent, as in? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm like, how how recent? I, I had to stop paying for Audible a uh, couple months ago because I'm poor. Uh, <laughs> Hold on, I'll find it here. But yeah, basically, his explanation for how he wrote it was, um, his explanation for how he wrote it was, you know, to kind of appeal to layman's or to laymen and, uh, you know, actually make it to where they understand a subject and don't feel talked down to, you know. And uh, I, I just think that's a really fantastic way to go about it. Um, just because you know people see all these 
what they would consider complicated term terminology or comp- complicated words or phrases, and uh, you know they would just kind of dismiss it as being, you know, I don't know, fucking ah. Why is the only word I can think of posh? I don't like that word, but yeah, um, it's just, uh, but yeah, um, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like that approach where you make it understandable and easily accessible to everybody is better for everybody because it just kind of, it provides that basic understanding and without that basic understanding, you can't really, you don't have anything to build off yeah. of. And that's kind of what Mindwave is about too, you know, cause we want to cover a lot of crazy shit. Uh, but we it's called, we do want to make it very accessible. So uh, it's called Growing God: A Beginner's Guide, and he just wrote it this year. Oh, okay, yeah, beautiful. We'll uh, we'll we'll plug it in the book club. We have a book club now, guys. <laughs> Go check it out. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was uh, I was telling you, Jenner, about a it was Alex O'Connor on his podcast. Yeah, he actually said Richard Dawkins, and that's the book they were talking about. Oh, see, I need to catch up. I can't even. I, damn it! <laughs> no, I need to see that. Alex is cool as fuck, man. And he's big time now. I remember when just oh, yeah, just little baby there. beginner, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Now, now he's hot shit, man. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I've got an interview with Alex on my channel before he really made it big, but. Uh, I mean, when I when I interviewed him, I mean, he was he was pretty big already. Yeah, he kind of blew up overnight. It seemed like. I mean, he went from being sitting in his room with his making uh, making videos with his uh, smartphone, you know, and now he's all professional and talking these huge names and traveling. And uh, I think he's actually he's. I can't think of what university he's going to, but he's going and getting a degree in philosophy on some form or another. And he's doing a lot. Yeah, I mean, he really, really expanded his horizons. One of my favorite YouTubers. No. Yeah. I, uh, I'm actually debating a guy later on this month that, uh, Alex debated uh, a little while back. Um, Jonathan McClatchy. Uh, I don't know if you saw, uh, that debate that, that Alex put up, but it, it, it was Alex versus Jonathan. They were talking about like God existing and stuff like that. But um, I, I, Alex has got, has always had really great content and um, you know, he, he is pretty busy with uh, his college stuff uh, now. Uh, but I, I think that everything that he puts up is, has always been pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. He's very, very logical and calm about everything he kind of goes through. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed, uh, there were a couple longer videos that he made with uh, uh, Rationality Rules and Rachel Oates, uh, where they all kind of sat down in uh, one of their gardens. I don't know whose house it was, but yeah, they had some longer discussions, and I really, really enjoyed those, you know, kind of seeing him in real time, the way he reacts to things, and very, very thoughtful mm-hmm. guy. I don't think he's very old either, like he's... Probably just now. Oh no! Yeah, I think I yeah. think it was like sixteen when I was when I first started watching his stuff. And again, again, man, I haven't had time to catch up on all these people. I don't know what they're doing, but I want to know. <laughs> yeah, it's probably I'd say probably like nineteen ish, maybe now twenty ish. I guess I did. I don't think he's ever said right. He just kind of like hinted at it. I remember that being like one of the things in his early stuff. Like 
getting asked about his age a lot, and I don't think he answered. But yeah, Young got super, super smart, man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Love um, I I have this list in front of me now, and I kind of wanna. I'm I'm trying to decide which one to throw. Uh, these are all yours except for the one I just said, Jenner. So, um, I don't I don't even remember what's on there. <laughs> um, uh, what what do you think about Space Force, John? Space Force. <laughs> so, uh, Space Force for anybody out there that that isn't uh, up to speed on on what that is, it's uh, Donald Donald Trump's new um, Space Command, basically. Um, and and where I live is actually a, a pretty good candidate. I think I think it's still a pretty good candidate for housing Space Force. Um, and it, it basically it's just going to be space command. Like there's different commands across the world uh, that the military has like uh, designated, and so this would just be spacecom is is what it is. And um, it, it, it I'm not exactly sure what the purview of it's supposed to be, but my guess is is for right now it it would be like you know satellite shit, um, maybe. I mean I'm not I'm not totally sure, but what I think of space calm is, is that I don't know the purpose for it. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, I was going to say huh? the only, the only thing I can possibly think of that would make sense is to kind of get, to get uh, the U S foot in the door before anybody else does, because, you know, they're expecting some sort of futuristic star Trek universe to kind of come about, you know, where everybody's flying around fighting in space and, kind of happen <laughs> i don't i don't think it's at no i don't think it's that because it, these have all been like space shit has been like spread across several different agencies for a long time so i think it's a consolidation thing um it, because you know navy does space shit air force does space shit uh noaa does space shit nasa obviously does space shit or not as much as they should be doing because we're not giving him any goddamn money. But uh, Andrew Yang, well, if you're listening, pay NASA more. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it's it's not it's not for space battles. <laughs> no, it's, no, no. Uh, I think it's, it's just like, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's a consolidation effort right, because right. we do have a lot of assets in space, like satellites and um, rockets and stuff like that. Um, and we got to track orbital debris too, because we got a bunch of space junk up there. Like, however many, uh, <laughs> I don't have it Google. There's like tons of shit like flying seventeen thousand miles an hour. It could just be a screw, and that'll fuck up your day, man. So they got to track all that yeah. shit down to like ten centimeters, I think. Uh, so it's that. It's it's the GPS satellites. It's coordination. It's like, uh, it tracking and you know like yeah it's tons in a solar influx if we have like a uh coronal mass ejection or something heading this way you know like so that our, our telecommunication satellites it's like all that shit just kind of like having one central intelligence agents for the space i think is is more of what they're going for <laughs> i hope anyway well, yeah so i mean it just sounded 
stupid the way Trump presented it, I guess. Well, yeah, well, and <laughs> Trump Trump can be very confusing because you know, at one point he he trashed the idea of NASA going back to the moon when us going back to the moon is a stepping stone to get to Mars. And so like I don't know why Trump would throw NASA under the bus when I mean he threw Pence under the bus, bro. Pence was like, "Let's go back to the moon." And Judge like, "Terrible, horrible." <laughs> so they have like totally separate messages at the same fucking time. Yeah, this was like Pence's thing. We need to go back to the moon, sir. It'll be great <laughs> for your presidency. And then, so uh, are they on board? Aren't they? Artemis? What the fuck is happening with Artemis? We need to do a whole episode about Artemis because apparently. We're going back to the moon in 2024, men and women for the first time. Uh, so that's the plan. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Well, yeah. So currently we are slated to go back to the moon. And I think the idea is, is to set up some kind of like presence, like at least in orbit around the moon or something like that. So yeah, that yeah. we can mm-hmm. eventually launch missions from there to get to uh, Mars because if we launch from the moon rather than the earth, then we're going to expend a lot less like fuel and, and stuff to get to Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Relative to, I mean, you're still going to have to get a lot of uh, supplies to the moon to build the infrastructure, I think. But the, what they're starting with is the lunar gateway. It's going to be a space station in orbit around the moon that, you know, like ships can come in and dock and then take landers down to the surface kind of thing. Uh, and then it'll have its own research laboratory capabilities and all that is is the initial plan to like set up a permanent presence there uh, or quasi permanent presence. But we're going to lose a space station here uh, too, uh, fairly relatively maybe like five years or something. I got to look that up because it's that's going to be sad. <laughs> well, I mean. The the International Space Station is international. So, I mean, I, I don't know if maybe we're just pulling out of it, but, I mean, it's it's not like we can control whether or not the ISS remains completely in use. Um, so I'm not exactly sure about th- that situation. Um, no, I think they're going to have to, because it's so old, I think they're going to have to deorbit it. Hmm. Oh, uh, like, yeah, right now. I don't know much about the ISS and its future and what's planned for it, but I just know that Trump is very confusing in his message. Yeah, it's kind of hard when he can't string together a proper sentence. Very difficult. <laughs> but yeah. Anywho, um. Oh boy. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm googling. Trying? Googling. It's I. I remember hearing something about this when they're when they're playing because they gotta deorbit it, but they don't have a, a spacecraft capable of doing it, pushing it down in the atmosphere to burn up. Because uh, yeah, it's it's it, I think it's an age thing, well, and a, and also a money thing. But yeah, if there's a way to keep it, man, we gotta keep it. We gotta like make it huge, not big ass ones. Space station. <laughs> Paul, you got the list, man. I only got the I only got the one, and we do it with everybody. But um, or we've been doing it with a bunch of people, rather. Uh, you you go ahead and word this one. It was yours that we've talked about the most, but it's just kind of written in here as Venus slash Mars colony. I'll let you go ahead and word. 
Oh, okay. I I didn't even like even the first time I asked it, it was like didn't even have it fully like articulated. I don't know. Where do you think we should go to try and build a uh build a permanent human presence first with the understanding we're doing both? Or like which one would you wanna go to between uh like platforms like in the clouds on Venus? which would be like around earth gravity. It's about 70 degrees. You just need like an oxygen mask, I think, to just like walk around outside. It's a uh, very earth-like and trippy. And then like you could explore like through the clouds and then go down, you know, like lava plains and volcanoes and sulfuric gas and do all kinds of cool science there, which is my answer, which is why the question is skewed <laughs> and biased because everybody, uh, everybody assumes Mars, like, and then I think about what Mars would be like. And I'm like, it's like cold and dark. You got to be like underground. It's less gravity. It's like radiate. Well, yeah, Venus is radiation too. Yeah. It's, well, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think it'd be pretty cool to go to Mars. Uh, Venus, I'm not exactly sure. Like, I, I get, I get the, like, being in the clouds or whatnot, but uh, I mean, I don't know. That seems that seems really, really far off <laughs> for 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 us. I, I think, think it's just as technically feasible as uh, as a as a Mars colony. I think, yeah, because there's there's a level at the atmosphere that you can just like kind of chill at. <laughs> well, yeah, but then no, there's the question: doable. how do you stay up there? Like, how do you how do you maintain that height? Right, and there's the whole logistics of actually getting that much. The balloons, bro, like these, but like balloons, <laughs> like like literally, like like space is like uh, what was those um the one that blew up? <laughs> no, but yeah, I think I think that's what they're talking about is is like having it like having it literally float on like cushions of cushions of gas. Oh, it's, okay. That just yeah, like, I I think that's how that works, like like a zeppelin, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, the idea of I don't know really really excites me just because of the possibility of scientific exploration, but at the same time, Mars does the same thing in different ways. Right. Like, if, it's like if you get a like good... if it was one hundred percent guaranteed that we were going to go and do both, and money wasn't an object. I would probably pick a better, a better question is almost like, okay, this is a better, this is a better frame. It's 2050. You're a research scientist. You have the opportunity to go to, you know, research laboratory alpha, the most advanced scientific research station on Mars. It's built into a lava tube. You get to drive around the surface and fucking crazy rovers and go out in spacesuits and jump around and, investigate shit or you know you get to go to venus project alpha which is a, a floating you know like have it's like it already exists and you have the you're a you're a scientist you have the option to like <laughs> we just need to like describe them really well i think Come I up with fictional I mean, things I, I, think, I think both places sound like a pretty cool video game <laughs> right oh yeah right it's just like oh man that's that's like sophie's choice <laughs> that's a bad it's a bad reference no but yeah i oh that would be extremely tough but yeah i think that's a better framing like it already exists <laughs> and you have an opportunity but you can only pick one 
<laughs> right. Uh, I, don't know. I would probably still pick Mars, um, but uh, I don't know. Venus is pretty cool too, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We talked. No, Mars is hardcore. You can because you can actually go around on the surface. Right, right. Going around on the surface on Venus, like you can do that robotically, but uh, yeah, not not a, a very welcoming. It'd be very beautiful place because like the clouds are you know like this beautiful kind of glowy orange color below you and there's like lightning and stuff below and oh yeah storms and and then just like there's you'd have so little atmosphere above you that like you could see the stars like crazy like i think even during the day you might even be able to depending on where it's you're an at. interesting yeah. i considered that that would be probably it would be that's yeah, I think I think it would be fucking like crazy beautiful if I'm if I'm imagining it's at the altitude that it's supposed to be at. I don't know. We can move on. <laughs> we should actually wrap it up soon because uh, uh, you've oh, that's uh, right. you have been very you have uh, to do a thingy tonight. Indeedly do yes. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say Sam Harris thing, and then I stopped myself from saying it <laughs> thank you uh very much for what's the other goddamn word i'm not saying generous for your time anymore i'm not doing what, what are you looking for yeah i gotta come up with something for that thanks for making the time to hang out with us man <laughs> that works oh yeah uh no i i really uh i really appreciated uh you know uh, you, you guys have me on being able to just sort of chillax for a little bit and, and just talk different stuff it's been awesome yeah that's what that's what the show's all about do you have any uh profound wisdom to drop on on the way out <laughs> well uh i i guess the the best thing i can say is uh always stand up and use your voice hmm. yes i <laughs> love it and so if people want to find you and subscribe to you what is the easiest portal for them to go through Ah, well, obviously the easiest portal is by going to sub2ge.com. I, I, I set up a, a little .com link that people can go to uh, to get to my YouTube stuff. But you can just search on any uh, any platform uh, for Godless Engineer, and uh, most likely that's going to be me. Uh, namely on, um, uh, on YouTube. Uh, you can go there and just search up Godless Engineer or go to uh, youtube.com uh, Godless Engineer and uh, subscribe there and just wait for all of the content that I put put together. Sweet, man. Well, we'll make sure to put uh, some some stuff in the show notes there. And then I also have a, a tab on my website called Humans, which is like everybody who's come on the show or works on the show or supports the show uh, and gets a little bio there with like their the links that they want. Or whatever. So, uh, yeah, man, we'll we'll get you in, and, uh, and yeah, again, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time. This is very cool. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so <clears throat> thank you so much, man. No, thank you guys. Okay, so I love how we just breeze past this weird fucking intro thing. Here's a story. So um, <clears throat> I'm trying to do more collaborative work uh, with other creators, and John had uh, I'd offered to make John some some kind of theme music, something. Um, 
and uh, he wanted samples from this uh, Kent Hovind thing. Uh, so I had the samples. It took a hot minute to actually get them. Um, they wouldn't download, but then once I got them, I dropped them into this other project that I was working on. Um, so I was <laughs> doing something totally different, but I dropped the clips in there and uh, had fun with it. I'm sorry, Kim. Yeah, it's great. They have a 15 what? The whales have a 15-foot penis. I didn't cut out. You heard me. Google it yourself. Yeah, so I don't I don't know what I'm going to use this for. I'm sorry, Kim. I'm probably going to do something separate with the same audio for that before I send it off to John. Anyway, our website is mindwave.media. Lots of ways to connect. You can find them all there. So, Yeah, take care, guys. Mindwave is produced by Studio Stargazer. Copyright 2019.